0: Psalm 100 verse 4. Psalm 100 verse 4. Says enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And then the fifth verse tells us why. Why we're to be thankful And praise Him. And bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy. Is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. God is a good God. And we have a lot to be thankful for. And I submit to you today that our thanksgiving. Or giving of thanks. Is. Deeply intertwined. To our experience. As a Christian. And our. Ability to partake. Of the grace of God. This time of year and. Around this time and, and at uh, certain holidays, the 4th of July, it kind of becomes kind of a history lesson with me a little bit. I enjoy doing that because I think it's it's becoming all too common that our history, our real history is forgotten. The things that are taught and focused on are... <laughs> frankly, just some of the things that we've overcome as a nation and not who we are. And instead of focusing on the fact that we have, unlike other nations, have overcome all of the terrible problems of our past, people tend to dwell on things. They shouldn't, according to the word, they shouldn't. But I want to talk a little bit about the history of America's Thanksgiving Day. In 1620, in September, around the sixth day of September, the pilgrims left England, Plymouth, England. They were heading for this new world and they were Christians their journey was filled with lots of uncertainty and peril but it it offered uh, a new life hope religious liberty which is something they did not have in england something this country is frankly in jeopardy of losing even though it's at the core or the foundations and of our History And the Christian values and doctrine of Christianity are at the center, the very strategies and content of our Constitution here in this nation and our Declaration of Independence. For over two months, 102 passengers braved the harsh elements of a vast storm-tossed sea and finally... With firm purpose and a reliance of divine providence. They arrived. In Massachusetts in late November. The pilgrims. Looked for a suitable landing place on December 11th. Just before disembarking at Plymouth Rock. Remember they left Plymouth England. So they called it Plymouth Rock. They signed on board. The boat. The ship. The Mayflower Compact, America's first document of civil government and the first to introduce self government. They had a prayer service, then they started building shelters of some sort, just knowing that they needed to have some provision. But they were unprepared. And starvation and sickness. From the harsh New England winter. Came upon them in a hurry. And nearly half of them died. Before spring of that first year. But they continued in prayer. And they were helped by some Indians. And they reaped a bountiful harvest. The following summer. So when they did these grateful pilgrims, they decided to have a three-day feast. They started on December 13 of 1621 to thank God and to celebrate with their Indian friends. This wasn't the first Thanksgiving in America because they had had something similar in Virginia as early as 1607, according to everything I've studied. But it was America's first Thanksgiving festival. Pilgrim Edward Winslow. Described the pilgrim's Thanksgiving in these words. Our harvest. Being gotten in. Our governor sent four men on fowling or bird hunting. So that we might after a special manner rejoice together. After we had gathered the fruit of our labors. They four in one day killed as much fowl as served the company almost a week. Many of the Indians came amongst us and their greatest king. I don't know how to say his name, Massasoit. With some 90 men whom for three days we entertained and feasted. And they went out and killed five deer, which they brought. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at that time. At this time with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are far from want. It's one of the first writings. Now, fast forward 182 years, 1789, following a proclamation issued by George Washington our first president, America celebrated its first day of thanksgiving to God under its new constitution. That same year, the Protestant Episcopal Church, that's what he was a member of, President Washington, announced that the first Thursday in November would become its regular day for giving thanks. The, did I say first? The, that's what I have here. They might... It should be the last. No, I think it was it initially the first. Because Lincoln, yeah, and I'm going to get to that in a second. It was the first Thursday in November. Much of the credit for the adoption of a, a later annual national Thanksgiving day. Was a woman named Mrs. Sarah Joseph Hale. The editor of God, God ladies book. For 30 years, she had promoted the idea of a national Thanksgiving day, contacting president after president, until President Abraham Lincoln responded in 1863 by setting aside the last Thursday of November as a national day of Thanksgiving. So that's when it changed. Good good ear, though. You caught that. Over the next 75 years, presidents followed... Lincoln's precedent annually declaring a national Thanksgiving day. Then in, eight, in 1941, Congress permanently established the fourth Thursday of each November as a national holiday. Then just a, a couple of weeks after that would have been Pearl Harbor. Lincoln's original 1863. I love the Thanksgiving proclamation, which I, I've read. It's, it's, it's pretty lengthy. It came... Spiritually speaking, as a a pivotal point in his life. During the first week of July of that year, the Battle of Gettysburg had been fought in the Civil War. And we lost 60,000 Americans in in that battle. Four months later, in November, Lincoln delivered his famous Gettysburg Address. You know, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation... Conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal, it is all, therefore, altogether fitting and proper. Uh, anyway, something like that. So, the importance of that, well, I want to remind you of that because it was while Lincoln was walking among the thousands of graves at Gettysburg that he committed his life to Christ. He was already president. And it took a tragic thing like that for him to come to the Lord. And he explained this to a friend in a letter. It says, when I left Springfield to assume the presidency, I asked the people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the the, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers... I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. As Americans celebrate Thanksgiving each year, we hope that they will retain the original gratefulness to God displayed by the pilgrims and many of our founding fathers. And remember that it's to those early and courageous pilgrims that they owe not only the traditional Thanksgiving holiday, but also the concepts of self government and the hard work ethic and the self reliant communities and devout Christian faith. They tried in that those first colonies in, in the in the beginning, they they tried they started going through some hardships and they tried to do it where, you know, everyone would just share in everything. They said, you know, that's, that sounds good. <clears throat> it didn't work. And I'll tell you why. What they began to discover was that once everyone realized that they were going to get a portion, no matter what, a lot of people stopped contributing, working. Knowing that others would provide for them, and it became left up to a few good hunters and things like that to provide for everybody. Hello, <laughs> sounds familiar and that's that's the truth. And they went back to a, to a, a more democratic uh, means of bartering and uh, and doing having uh, you know capitalism as it were. Where there was some free enterprise and uh, opportunity and it caused everybody to prosper and to work harder. And I, I submit to you that it still should be that way. And it, uh, it, you know, there are a lot of good ideologies out there that sound good, but it didn't work for Stalin and, and Mao and, and all these, uh, these others. And it didn't work in Venezuela, you know. <laughs> Where they don't have toilet paper now. And they're going to be eating their zoo animals before long. It just doesn't work. You know. It just doesn't work. God said I'll bless whatever you put your hands to. And he wants us to worship him. And to seek him as our provider. And not a government. So. I want to. Ask, how we see Thanksgiving today is kind of a point I wanted to make. Is it a day spent in prayer and being thoughtful of God? Mindful of God's blessings or just another day enjoying whatever vices we want, you know, eat all we can. and I mean, there's a place for all that, but I, I just don't think there's enough of giving thanks and, and, and acknowledging God, even in the, you know, a lot of times we get together with the family and it's awkward, you know, there's, a, <laughs> there's always some tension because there's, uh, no family is perfect. Just like no church is perfect. You know, there's always somebody come trying to find the perfect church and say, well, when you find it, it won't be perfect anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But it's better to be on a leaky boat out in the middle of the ocean than swimming alone with the sharks. Amen. Thankfulness to God may be the most important thing in the Christian life. The problem with most Christians is that they see the Christian life as uh, not much of a life. You know, they... They, if, they, if they really are believers, they kind of see it as something, uh, this life is something to endure until they get to heaven. And it shouldn't be that way. So we struggle to keep one foot in our salvation and the other in the world, you know, where it's still fun. Thinking you're going to give up too much if you go all in for the Lord. But nothing really could be further from the truth. But to enjoy the Christian life, it really requires Christ to be at the center of that life. And this is where most people, most Christians even are really lacking. In other words, we need to be full of God and not just full of ourselves. You know, most of the messages I preach, they're really just for people that listen overseas and stuff like that. They're not for you guys. You guys got it all together. (laughs) I think I have, I have, I have, I have somebody listening. Hello, whoever you are in Russia and, uh, and in England. I've got, uh, anyway, we've got some, we got some people all over the world that are benefiting from this word and, We thank God for them, you know. And if it was just for them, I would come and and minister this message every week. But we're thankful for, because God died for, you know, the Lord died for everybody. Not just Americans. (laughs) He died for everybody. That's why we love everybody. You know, we may not not (laughs) agree with their ways or their ideologies or their politics, you know. I don't care what, what someone believes. As long as they can convince me they believe it because of, of this word. If they can't do that or won't even try, then I don't, I don't, uh, they, they won't go very far with me. Because I learned that I had to toss out any of my own thoughts and ideologies that didn't line up with his. And that's when you really become free. Someone who lives by this truth is someone who can really live a life of peace. You know, when you when you tell the truth all the time, you don't have to remember anything. That's what Mark Twain said. And when you live by the Lord's truth, you don't have to worry about trying to fit in. It's called the, the you know, the fear of man is a terrible thing. And most people that have it don't really recognize it or they won't admit that's what it is. Or maybe they just don't know. But anytime that, you you're guarded on what you say or do because you're afraid it might not be accepted by men then that's the fear of man and it's a snare of the devil the bible says so the best thing to do is just to not that we're all perfect in it at all times of course god is love and we are made in his image we want to be loved we want to be liked it's not normal not to but to to give up God's will and his ways and his truth that we've come to know just to blend in that's a sin and it's better just to make up your mind if God said it that settles it I'm not going to argue with you about it or anything I still love you but don't don't try to force me to call that which is evil good you know I love you I don't love the sin you know just like, you know, if uh, one of our children runs out in the street. Heck, Tawana and I were cleaning out our garage today. And our little dog, she's sitting out there being so good for two, three hours. Next thing you know, and Tawana complimented her on it. Because usually she's a little crazy, you know. We looked up. And she's gone. Well, we have a path. We go on a walk with her, you know, with her leash. Well, she decided, well, I got this. You know, I'm going to go... I'm gonna go on my own. They're busy. <laughs> well, we weren't too happy with her, you know. We still love her. But uh that that's not gonna fly, you know. Because we know what's best, right? She could have got ran over, she could have got snatched up by somebody really easy. And she'd have wanted to come home. But anyway, the uh <laughs> but one of the greatest tools for for staying full of God, keeping Him at the center of our lives, of His love, of His of His peace, His blessing and provision is to to thank Him. Just to live a, a life of thankfulness and praise to Him. He inhabits the praise of His people. Isn't that what the Bible says? And have you ever noticed that? You know, when you're I. Ooh, I Sean, I just saw you in your bus praising God, man. I know you do that. I just saw you, man. <laughs> but, you know, have you ever noticed how that really just begins to fix things? You know, your mind could be off. You could have your thinking could be wrong and you recognize it. You're just out of sorts. And then you just pick those. And sometimes those hands are the heaviest things in the world. When you're not in the mood, oh, praise you, Lord. And, you know, you just start. Start thanking God, you know. I I was out trying to find her a, a vehicle to drive because I sold hers out from under her, and uh, and I was tired of looking, you know. And uh, and this guy, he I, I said, well, maybe you can work the numbers on this one. I I went and test drove it and everything. I liked the the price on the windshield, and then he comes back. <laughs> And the price went up (laughs) $4,000. And he said, I'm sorry. You know, they just put the wrong sticker on there. I said, man, I I don't think I've ever been in one of these little rooms where the price went up, you know. (laughs) But he thought I was going to be mad. And I wasn't. I said, you know, I know that the last thing you wanted to come and tell me, for starters, and... I know the guy that put the sticker on there is, is, you know, he's he's probably going to be sorry he did. And and I'm not mad at him. You know, things happen. I said, don't don't get me to, don't think I'm going to begin complaining right now. I'm just happy that I'm able to be out here looking for for a new car. I'm not going to complain about my shoes. I met the guy with no feet, you know. And he just got a kick out of that. And he thought that was the coolest thing. That He experienced i hey, he didn 't get a I left, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> mama didn 't raise no fool, but, <laughs> but we we parted friends amen <laughs> it wouldn 't have done any good to do it the other way, but I think as Christians, our thankfulness is kind of a spiritual thermometer. You know how I always refer to that scripture in the Bible, examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith always hate hearing that kind of thing when i'm sitting out there where y'all are I'm like, <laughs> you, you, uh, pastor uh, robert morris in, in dallas he, he said this guy came up to him one time after service said pastor you made me Uh, second guess my salvation he said good (laughs) it don't hurt to check on yourself you know (laughs) you know if you find yourself in a good standing then it should encourage you if there's some things you need to fix then maybe wasn't a bad idea to draw a little attention to it you know but i i've never ever preached a message to anybody but I've sure had a lot of people think I did. You know, <laughs> I don't know a preacher that hadn't. You know, <laughs> Dwayne Sheriff up in uh, Oklahoma says that he's had a lot of people that that will leave offended. There will be the greatest uh, people in his church, and that you know, and just love him and everything, and then comes and kind of well, I just didn't like the way you said this, and you know, I know you were talking to, to us, and he goes, "No, I wasn't. I you know? <laughs> had no idea." <laughs> but. That's, that's kind of how it is. But there was a, a preacher called Matthew Henry. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but he was an American preacher. He has a, a, a commentary on the Bible that most preachers are familiar with. I refer to it from time to time. And he told a story one time. He was a traveling preacher. And back then there were no jet planes or, or fast cars. But he rode a horse. And one time while he was traveling. From town to town. He was robbed. Most people wouldn't think. That was a. A circumstance in which he would. Be given thanks. But he did. He wrote in his journal. I am thankful. That during these years. I have never been robbed before. Also. Even though they took my money, they did not take my life. Although they took all I had, it was not much. Finally, I am grateful that it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. Amen, Amen, Amen. you know. (laughs) Man, every time I see one of these knuckleheads doing something on TV, you know, or hear about it on the radio. I heard about uh, what was the we heard uh we were in the we just got in the car the other day and and the the lady on the you know how they do the news at the top of the hour or whatever she goes more stupidity on social media <laughs> and they had ca- captured this guy firing off a gun you know and and uh, every time I see one of these knuckleheads, I just say, oh, man, thank God that's not me. You know, I, I've done some dumb things back before I knew the Lord. <laughs> glad, Glad it wasn't all recorded, you know. <laughs> I certainly probably wouldn't be standing here. <laughs> Um uh, but I know one thing: I never run for public office. <laughs> I, I can't even remember stuff I did forty years ago. You know <laughs> They probably would or you know, how do you defend yourself against something like that? You know <laughs> nevertheless, I just want to mention a scripture from Romans one twenty one because there's a real danger. Of a thankless heart. And so we want to just keep focused on being thankful today. And we're just going to talk a little bit. And just have some fun with y'all. But then I'll just continue on next week. But Romans 1.21. Says for although they knew God. They did not honor him as God. Or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. You see that? I want to read it again. Because in Romans chapter 1. Paul makes the compelling case. that, uh, And so we know by this. That all people are aware that there is a God. And that they're not him. And so when people tell you they don't believe. you, You don't have to really believe that. They might have hardened their hearts. To the point of being reprobate or they might just really be seeking the truth but at some point or another god makes himself known to everyone and in romans 121 it says but although they they knew god in other words he had made himself known to them somehow and it says it talks about even even if they didn't have this word or a preacher they he may he will speak to people by the things he created in other words sometimes I can remember, uh, you know, I remember, I, I've told the story about sitting on a, a stone wall out in front of some apartments we lived in when I was maybe nine years old. Sitting there, it was a time of a real, uh, uh, a really being lonesome as a child, and all my brothers and sisters had moved away. I was the youngest and the only one that didn't have their dad, and my mom was kind of going through some things, and I was alone a lot, and I was really bitterly lonely and hurting in my heart and i remember just sitting on that wall and i became completely aware that i was not alone and i didn't think there was any people watching me but i knew just like the song says that that, that there's angels all around i became aware that there was a god and that he was watching over me and i felt a comfort it was now i know now that the holy spirit was comforting me and And drawing me to God and causing me to remember that. But all these years later, I'll never forget that. And so I understand what it means in this passage of scripture. He says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is the condition of those who have hardened their hearts to God. And how they did it. When we refuse... To honor or esteem highly God and his wonderful blessings in our lives. When we stop being thankful. When our imaginations are only thinking of ourselves. Or self-serving. Then we become foolish in God's eyes. Lacking God in our lives. And our hearts become hardened. Hardened. The Bible often refers to someone waxing cold or or hardening their heart, waxing cold. It's the same thing. What they're talking about there, they used, used natural things that would make an impression on people. Things that they understood. And people back then had no electricity. They knew what oil was for the lamps. You talk about that a lot. And also waxing cold, they understood that you take a string to make a candle and you started dipping it in hot wax, bring it up, it dries, the wax becomes cold and it hardens, dip it again, thicker, 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 you ever done that? And that's how they made candles back then. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure there's a more automated process now, but that's definitely how they used to do it. And that's what he's referring to. And that's how it is with the human heart. When we don't esteem God, or that's why we talk about spirit, soul, and body here. First Thessalonians 5.23 lays it out that we're three-part beings, just like we have a three-part God. And he created us in his image. So we're spirit, soul, and body. And it's imperative that we understand when, when we're born again, when we turn to the Lord and really have an encounter with Him and experience with Him and get saved. It's not our body that changes and it's not our soul that changes, although there are some things that begin to take place that we're aware of. But it's our spirit, our spirit that is renewed, perfected and sealed, incorruptible until the Lord returns. Or we go home to be with him. But our soul is the part that's being saved now. And then this body will be redeemed or turned in for an incorruptible one, young and healthy and Yeah. It <laughs> lasts forever. <laughs> but when we don't when we John four twenty four says, God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Well, if we're created in His image, we're spirit too. And see, that's the most important thing that I can ever get a Christian to do when they're really trying to get it. They're trying to get that breakthrough, that understanding, that closeness with God because they're just frustrated because they can't feel anything. And when they're trying to feel it, that's when it's imperative that they understand that it's all there, it's just in the Spirit. All the peace, love, and joy that you will ever need and the mind of Christ, you do have it. So when I talk like this and you say, well, it's not me. Everybody else must have got it and he left me behind because of something I did. You know, I'm just not good enough. Here's the problem with, I'm getting way off here today. I feel the Lord wants me to talk about this. Here's the problem with grace. There's no problem with grace. (laughs) But the grace of God is everything that Jesus provided through the atonement on the cross. All the peace, love, and joy, the fruit of the Spirit, all of the healing for our bodies. By His stripes, we were healed. By, you know, He became poor that we might become rich. All the curses. The aspects of the curse he took. So we could live the blessed life. Of an overcomer. The abundant life. That he talked about in John 10.10. 10, and the devil is the one. That comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life. And have it more abundantly. Titus 2, 11, 12 Talks about the fact that. The grace of God. That brings salvation. Has appeared to all men. Everybody. But not all men are saved, are they? Why? We're saved by grace through faith. Because not everyone has responded to the grace of God in faith and received it. But their trust in what Jesus has done. That's all that our faith really is. That relationship where we come to put our confidence in. In the truth of the word. Regarding the things that he's done. To provide for us. For even this life. And the next. Faith is the hand. That reaches out. And retrieves the things. Provided by grace. <clears throat> Without faith. It's, it's there waiting on us. It's like a bank account. In your name. With a million dollars in it. Are you going hungry because you won't write the check. It's and and then and there and there are people like that. There are churches like that that just say it's just the grace of God and God is sovereign and whatever His will is, that's what's going to happen. They leave it all up to God, and God's over there saying, "Problem is." I already did it all, and I already attribute it to your account. It's there waiting for you. Use the faith that I've given you and the faith that you get by studying my word, because these are faith-filled words, to obtain the things or to draw them out of the spiritual realm where they've been on deposit for you into this natural realm where they can benefit you now. So the people that are sitting there calling everything the grace of God, they'll die waiting on that grace to take over. There's another camp that lives by faith. And they say, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to pray, you have to study your Bible, this and that. The problem is when you get too far down that road, whenever, whenever you get to the place where you think you have to factor in your performance, you've missed it. You've missed the grace of God. He provided everything by grace. Before you were ever thought of. By his stripes. You were healed. If Jesus came in here right now. And said you. Are entitled to the death penalty. Because. The punishment for sin is death. That's how holy God is. That's his standard. He said, if you, those of you who try to live according to the law and keep the law. He, James said, remember, if you fail at one point, you're guilty of breaking it all. That's how hard it is. So if Jesus came in here today and he walked in and he said, okay, you're guilty. Yes, every one of us would say, we know. He go, but I'm going to take your punishment right now. And when you see me take it, you don't have to. I'm innocent of all things. I'm going to stand in your stead and I'm going to take your punishment and you're going to be free. You would believe it. You would believe it if he stand here and told you that. And then you saw him take the beating. The The problem is he did it 2,000 years ago and credited it to your account then. He's not going to do it again. And you don't have to either. All we have to do now is believe it. Wow. By his stripes, I was healed. Now here's the thing. I had somebody that I love more than anybody. went to the doctor. And I'm not going to elaborate on it, but over a period of, I don't know, a year or two, never tell me. Never told me. And I'm not saying that to hurt her. I'm saying it because I I think it's going to help somebody. You know why? Because she thought I would condemn her. I know a lot of people that get this guilty complex thing when they, do I take the medicine? Do I go to the doctor? Oh, I'm supposed to live by faith. I know Jesus did it, but I'm scared. What do I do? You do what you do. It's not going to change one thing about how God feels about you. Because his love for you is not based on your performance. It's based on Jesus' performance. And that's already settled. I was thanking God last night in my car. She was following me and hers. Thanking him at the same time as it turns out when we talked later. Just praising him and talking to him and telling him how wonderful he is and how thankful we are. And I, if anybody ever read my book, I think I gave you all one, but Mm -hmm. I talk about one time I was sitting in a Home Depot parking lot in my truck, Mm -hmm. just pouring my heart out, crying and pleading with God. And I began to pray in the spirit and just crying and pleading and, and then I heard him laugh an audible voice, I heard the Lord laugh. But not laughing at me, just laughing like you would laugh at a child who had it all wrong and didn't understand and you comforting them, but laughing at them at the same time. (laughs) Come on, you know. (laughs) Laughed at me. And then I heard I heard him say you are my child in whom I'm well pleased. And I remember When I was thanking him and telling him how much I loved him last night. I stopped at the line of cars at the light. And I looked to my left. And I saw that spot where I was sitting that day. It's like he. Remember, I love you too. That's where I told you so the first time and you heard me. And oh. It was just last night. And. And this is, you know, Tavana and I, we have this kind of, you know, relationship with the Lord. It's just, we just, I, you know, I have to, one of the things I thank him for the most is that my wife loves him like she does. She didn't always. She was, I think she was a little scared of him for a long time. But now she, they're tight. And I love it. I love it. And I'm sure that she thanks him for the same thing because, you know, I needed him and I didn't know it. But I love him. That's the best thing you can hope for. We thank God. You know, we'll get to thanking God. We thank him for the things he's doing in y'all's life, for the things he's doing for y'all's family. We thank him for all the wonderful things that we know he's already done. And we're praying and, you know, because we know the value. We know the story. When, when, when. When Jesus was ministering and there was crowds outside. And people couldn't even get into the house where he was at. Some people brought their friend, remember? Carried him on a mat. Big crowd, they couldn't even get to the door. And he climbed up on the roof, dug a hole, and dropped him down right in Jesus' feet. At Jesus' feet. And that dude got healed. Every healing, everything you... Every time you see a miracle or healing in the Bible, you look for the faith. There was a mustard seed of faith required. Remember, he took the blind man out to the city, walked him out of the city before he healed his eyes. Where's the faith in that? Well, that blind man, once he got to the edge of his comfort zone, where he knew he, where he was and how to get back to the people that probably cared for him or whatever. It took faith to keep going with Jesus. He could have just left him there. There's always faith involved. You can look for it. It's, it's fun. It's, it's very exciting, the Bible. You can always, where's the faith? Oh, it's the mama's faith. Oh, it's it. Ah, here's the faith. <clears throat> that particular time, that guy that got healed, no faith exhibited Where'd the faith come from? His friends. Came from his friends. Linda. You got friends. Y'all got friends. That pray for you. And I know he hears those prayers. Because those are unselfish. So that's why I'm always helping y'all. are praying for us, too. <laughs> because he hears that, you know. He hears that. I can't wait till I see these two boys just just get overcome with the spirit in a grocery store or a bank somewhere where there's somebody sick or hurting and they just lay hands on them and, and they're healed right there on the spot. And they come and run into in here on Sunday and tell about it. Because... It's, it's in you. It's in them. It's in all of us. We have that. Raising from the dead power inside of us. The kingdom of God is within us. We are in him and he is in us. We are one with Christ. How can you get mad at somebody in the world when they don't have this? I was telling my nephew that the other day. It's like he was... Talking to me about... He's a smart young man. My brother... Only son. My brother that passed on. Smart kid. But man, he'll start to thinking about things. You know, he he wants to right all the wrongs. You know? I tell him, listen, son. Don't let them rent space in your head. You have control over the, you. You know? But listen, all these wrongs and that's wrong what these people have done. They they don't know God. How valuable is it that your name is written in the book of life? Who cares about the rest of this? God can change everything in a second. He can he can right all the wrongs and he will. He just doesn't generally do it in our time and our way. Because he's not going to let us boss him around. Why would he? (laughs) his way is perfect ours is not (laughs) but the fact that he loves us and says I got you right here and nobody can snatch you from my hand man that's that's comforting you know shoot when I see Tivana and I see that she's Resting in the shadow of his wings, as it were. You think I'm going to be ugly to her? No. That's why, you know, people just don't understand in our culture today. So scared to be a man. So scared to be a woman. When, when there's, it's perfect the way God made it. That gentle, quiet spirit in a woman that is so beautiful in his sight are so terrified of that. They think they're they're giving up something. No, my mom would call these young women so foolish. She says you got all the power in the world, you want to be like a man, you know. And the same, vice versa. Unfortunately, everybody just needs to stay in their lane and just be thankful. Trust God and learn His Word and learn how to put. Your trust in His promises grow in that relationship. And one of the key, key, key ingredients, if you don't know nothing else, you can't even think of a scripture to stand on, which everybody should have some. You can be thankful. You can praise Him and thank Him and tell Him how amazing He is and how you just trust Him with everything. Cast your care on Him, for He cares for you. And then the promise is the peace of God will usher in when you really give it to Him and don't pick it back up. Mm-hmm. You see, because worry is one of our biggest problems, our biggest struggles. Even those of us that act like we have it all together, we worry a lot. Even the, the toughest guys worry a lot. And it's usually not about themselves you know our biggest worries about the ones we love and we want to do so good and we get frustrated you know and things like that but all that is really sinful not that we shouldn't care work hard we do all those things but today has enough trouble of its own you know we're not supposed to lay awake at night worrying about stuff because what that means is you didn't cast your care on the lord and even if you did, you went back over and said, hold on, I need this back for a minute. That's what. We, <laughs> don't pick it back up. Don't pick it back up. I didn't get into the story I was going to today, but that, I think I've had fun up here. I hope you all have. I just want to end with First Thessalonians 5.18. Thessalonians back there, all those five Ts in a row. First Thessalonians five eighteen says, "In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you." You see that His will for you is to give Him thanks in everything. Is it because He's just self absorbed and He just he he gets he gets. Um, he loses confidence if we don't just praise him all the time? <laughs> no. He's awesome and he knows it. He doesn't have to be told that. It's good for you. That's why it's his will for you. Because he inhabits the praise of his people. And when you're thanking him and praising him, there are angels assigned to you that. Are empowered by those words. those That thankfulness. That praise. And anytime you're speaking his word over yourself and others. That empowers the good angels. To go to work in your life. And to help to accomplish all these wonderful things that God has in store for you. When you, when you do the big C's. Which I recommend highly that you don't. When you criticize and complain and condemn. Others. You giving flight to other angels, demonic ones, demons who are empowered legally by your words from people are the only place they can get some authority. They've lost all theirs, but they can get they can get a legal right as it were. No, she said she said she said she has this sickness so I can stay. Empower the good angels. Starve those bad ones. Amen. Amen. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Many things can reveal in us an attitude of ingratitude. The trials of life. Loss. Confrontation. Even things which are seemingly good like wealth and success. Or sometimes we just forget to remember God and his goodness forgetfulness, the cares of this world, pride, self-sufficiency. Oh, I can handle this. The list of challenges just goes on and on. I have scriptures after scriptures about the unthankful heart due to each one of those things and what what it accomplishes in their lives, and it's never good. So we want to be those thankful ones when you can't do nothing else and it seems like the world is running over you with a four wheel drive these are the times when it's most productive for you to give thanks when the whole world looks at you and go like that preacher who got robbed how can he be giving thanks to God well because I've never been robbed before in all these years Even though they took all my money, they didn't take my life. And most of all, it wasn't me doing the robbing. There's always something to be thankful for. And it's hardest when you're the one going through. So that's why you need others. You know, you need armchair quarterbacks in your life. Christians that aren't in the midst of your storm and your trial. Because they can see clearly and hear clearly when... When the enemy is really trying for your time and attention because of fear and all that, that's when we need each other. You know. You need other Christians to tell you what the word says and remind you how much God loves you and how he's, he's asked us not to be fearful. Don't let your heart be troubled or afraid. And when you don't, then my peace is the gift I've given you. And I don't give like the world gives. And what he was saying when he said that is I'm not going to take it back. It's sad he had to say that. <laughs> so he loves us and he's with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. When we're when we're not thankful, when we're not praising him and and trusting him, it's really also pride. And God resists the proud, gives more grace to the humble. Does that mean it's performance based? No. Remember, it's, he's not doing it on a case-by-case basis. Ah, that's prideful, I'm going to hold. No, it's just, it's already been established. And that's how we learn to participate in the things that God has already set into place, his spiritual and natural laws, just like giving. When we give, God's not watching that and going, okay, send, send some money over there. No, he already established that principle of sowing and reaping. It's like we take a little seed. We don't have to say, God, look, there's a seed. Please put power in this seed to produce more seeds of its kind. No, he already did that. He established that in the beginning. And he said, as long as this world's here, seed time and harvest are going to be here. And so uh, what we find out through the entire Bible and into the new covenant is that everything's in seed form. Our words, our time, our money, he just talks about money a lot and how we sow and get a 30, 60, 100-fold return because that's something we really know about. We really care about that. But he's teaching us about the principles of everything that are, that's in our care, that we're stewards of, which is everything. Love, time, you know, affection, kindness, money, all seeds, our words. And remember, if we're sowing seeds of death... Or, you know, anything negative, anything of the curse or that's not of God is death. And in some form, it will reproduce. So we need to, if we do speak things out that we shouldn't, we just need to go and repent and dig it up before it could bring a harvest. We have that because of Jesus. And then speak all the good things and stand on the truth of his word and trust and stand waiting. Just like a good farmer who sows those good seeds, trusting and then waits, trusting God. That's why That's why we have hope. Hope is just an extended period of faith. And we have it. It's in us. And the harder things get, the more we praise God and put thankfulness into our lives. There's a supernatural anointing and a provision of the holy spirit that will come upon us in those times of need and and encourage us and help us and hold us in the as it were in in the shadow of god's wings amen Amen. Amen. i love you guys and i'm so thankful for each and every one of you we pray for you all the time i really believe and trust that y'all are praying for us we're going to keep doing that and we're going to see everybody here prosper in their relationships, in their bodies, in their finances, in every part of their lives. Amen? Amen. 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 God said it, and that settles it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We love you.